the Construction Employers Podcast, your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. My guest today is Michael Bertalone, who's the business manager of the Operating Engineers Local 18 here in the state of Ohio. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming in. Um, We've had a good relationship over the last two years since you took office. Um, But I wanted to get into more of the personal side with you and hear about your career. I think you're maybe a few years younger than me. I'm 46. You're 43. 43. Yeah. So class of 98, I heard you mention earlier today. Yep. Graduate of Brexville Broadview Heights. Nice. So... And you said earlier, you don't really have a background from your family's perspective in construction. How did you get into the trades? Yeah, you're correct. So um, first generation operating engineer, uh, graduated from Brexville Broadview Heights in 1998. Still at that time did not know um, not only about Local 18, but about the crafts in general, uh, construction in general. Um, was working landscaping jobs, uh, you know, in the summertime in my high school uh, career. And, you know, that's kind of where I got my start. Uh, as I shared with you earlier, working for Kurtz Brothers, operating loaders, um, you know, loading the supply trucks, making mulches and topsoils and things of that nature. So being in, you know, a Caterpillar and Komatsu loaders uh, was definitely my start and knew that was the direction I wanted to head in. And, uh, you know, from there, just networking with other operators that were working in the area for signatory contractors, uh, a leg of concrete was located pretty close to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, us sharing a parking lot with those individuals is how I learned about uh, the apprenticeship program. The local 18 operator that was running the loader at the concrete plant had said, hey, you know, you ought to look into joining the union. Uh, that way you make better wages and better health care and all that stuff. Get away from this Kurtz. They aren't going to ever, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, again, you know, I'd, I got my start at Kurtz. But, again, there was a certain, certain level you could only reach, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting into the operators was definitely my next step. So um, grew up most of my life in Brexville. The closest training center is next city over in Richfield. Mm-hmm. Had no clue that place existed. Uh, when when I looked it up, found out where it was, I just took a drive to go see. It was literally uh, several miles from where I lived with my parents at the time. And um, that's that's where I learned, hey, you know, we take applications during this period. And, uh, you know, got all the dates and everything. And uh, the rest is history. Took the test. Um Got the letter that I was accepted. Still have the letter at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, congratulations, you're accepted into local 18. And uh, yeah, I got into the apprenticeship program and never looked back. But that's how I learned about it. So you're right. I mean, you know, my my dad was in in is still in the printing industry. Uh, mother was in the the medical. You know, she was a nurse. And you know, my wife, she's a teacher. You know, a lot a lot of people in my family were in education. So nobody, you know, all the way up to grandfathers, great uncles, and stuff were. Not, not in Local 18, let alone in any of the crafts. So definitely uh, a proud first-generation operator, for sure. So Fortune just kind of smiled on you when you had this acquaintance in the parking lot at work. I, I feel so, looking back now, for sure. Um, at that current time, being in my early 20s, I don't think any of that stuff was registering. You know, uh, Dollars and cents are usually what attracts uh, individuals in their 20s, and I can guarantee that was something that caught my attention, um, just talking through it with him, obviously, 
you know, pension and healthcare were things that he had, you know, said in that conversation. But as right. a young 20 year old, you're looking at the, at the numbers for sure. What's coming into your wallet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what you're now the business manager, which is as high as you can get within your local. Yes. Um, a lot of, a lot of responsibility. How many members do you have? So we are close to, if you took into account all the uh, apprentices that you bring in that haven't uh, initiated in and all of our permit members, uh, along with our active members, we're at almost 16,000 members statewide. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And for those who don't know what operating engineers do, what do you, what do you guys do? Well, you know, I usually start that out, you know, a lot of times I'll I'll walk in and and for those of you just listening, I have a jacket on with our logo on it and they kind of look at that all weird, but, um, you know, we're the individuals that like the orange barrels is usually how I start out. Everybody always associates uh, heavy equipment operators as crane operators first, because that's what you see uh, mm-hmm. in the cityscapes. But, um, you know, our bread and butter is uh, roads and bridges. 99.9% of all ODOT projects are done by union contractors who employ our members. So we're very proud of that. Um, so yeah, the roads you drive on the bridges, you cross over most likely were built by our members along with the other crafts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're looking at the downtown landscapes, not only in, uh, Cleveland itself, but all the major cities throughout the state of Ohio, those buildings were built and put together again with the union crafts, with the operating engineers, uh, being the ones to set those, you know, steel beams in place and, you know, the glass and the windows and everything else that goes into putting a building up. That's, that's our members work right there. So, you know, the bulldozers, backhoes, excavators, loaders, all that stuff. Those are our members. Yeah. All the, all the, uh, Tonka toys that you used to play with as a kid. It's, it's funny. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, like I said, growing up in Brexville, uh, if you went to my father's house now, you would go in the basement and, and, you know, my mom was a pack rat. There are still Tonka trucks in the basements, uh, that was, that were mine as a kid. So you're absolutely correct. Nice. Yeah. Um, so if you could describe the difference between someone doing the, your line of work, non-union, versus union what's the big difference not only for the quality of the work but also for the quality of life for that person well you know first and foremost it's it's an equal it's it's a level playing field um you know when you're out there working for a non-union contractor and and this goes in any part of life you know um you know the wages are all over the place and, and this guy might be earning more because he's related to that person or grew up with that person or whatever. And so um, a lot of times it doesn't have to do with your skill set. It's just of, you know, Hey, it's the buddy system, you know, and, and this guy might be working his tail off and he's not earning as much. Um, when it comes to annual increases, they don't have to give you any kind of increase if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody has it in them to go have those conversations with the with an owner of a company. Even if they do, uh, a lot of times the owner of a company, all they have to say is, well, we're not making much money or we didn't bid the work. You know, we're barely making any profit. You know, what's the typical reply to that? You'd really, how are you going to prove that, especially when it's private work? Right. Um, the other end, you know, as, as you get older, like I said, you know, I looked at it from a, a wages aspect when I was younger. You don't really think too much about health care, but the older you get, um, and then let's say you get married and have children, health care becomes a huge part of your life. And so if you're working for a contractor um, that has a health care plan, 
it comes out of your check, whether you're on an individual plan or whether you're on a family plan, Mm -hmm. you see that deduction on there from the union side of things. We show them that contribution is made on your behalf. It's not, here's your wages. And then at the end of the week, you're going to have a subtraction out of that uh, for that. And then we talk about, you know, the pension as well. Again, it's a, it's a subject that is appropriate depending on an individual's age of, when they're younger, they're not thinking about retirement. Right. But when you get in your upper thirties and you're 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 passing over in your forties, they start to think about that stuff. And it's hey, do you want to work for the rest of your life? Conversation comes into play. So once you start putting all the pieces together of that, um, they start to uh, really start listening and paying attention. Um, it does not happen on the first uh, go around. It takes multiple conversations, multiple meetings of explaining that and showing them the benefits of, uh, you know, the union way and showing them, Hey, you know, there is a negotiated wage increase that's done on your behalf. You don't have to have those difficult conversations. It's already worked out for you. So. Sure. And then there's also the element of, um, so on our behalf, on a contractor's behalf, there's a pool of skilled workforce that contractors can tap into. But I got to imagine on the, uh, on the employee side, there's a pool of employers exactly. that they can work for. It's, um, it's a partnership, right? It's a definite partnership that works, um, you know, along with the apprenticeship program and that, but you're right. I mean, uh, if, if, you know, so for example, I work for Fabrizi, mm-hmm. uh, I had a fantastic career They're They're some of the best people that I've ever worked for. Um, mm-hmm. they're great people in town. Now, had I not liked working for them, um, I could have, put my, my card down at the union hall and gone out to work for somebody else. And and that would have been that. I mean, that is not an abnormal thing. Um, you know, there are members of ours who don't like to strap themselves down and work for the same contractor each year. They want to work, they call it work the hall. Yeah. And so, Hey, you know, this job or the shutdown at the steel mills done, I'm going to put my card on deck and then maybe I'll go work for, you know, Shelly company paving, or maybe I'll go work on the Sharon Williams building. Um, you know, they, there's a lot more opportunity, um, because of those partnerships. Sure. And then, um, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but the beauty of it from the employee's perspective is the retirement benefits, the health benefits, the training progress goes with the person, no matter who they're working for. Correct. The money follows the individual. Um, and that, is statewide because local 18 is the state of Ohio mm-hmm. uh, minus the three counties on the Easter portion of the state. Uh, Mahoning Trumbull Columbiana County belong to local 66. Okay. doesn't mean you can't work there. They're just part of the other local and you have to clear in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the whole state of Ohio, you can go all where you want work for all those contractors. Like you're saying, and they submit fringe benefits on your behalf that go into the same account. So the money follows the individual is a huge benefit for sure. Yeah. So let me ask you this. If you were just coming into the trade right now with all the work going on in Ohio locally, you're from Brexville, so Northeast Ohio or Columbus or wherever it is, what would you have your eye on right now? If I had no responsibility, if I was still, you know, 20 years old, like I was when I got in, I would 100% be down in Columbus right now. There's not a doubt in my mind, just because of how much work is going to go on there. Um, Like I said, that's my mentality of, I I like a long-term 
position. I, I'm right. not in the mindset of I would like to bounce from this contract to this contract. That's just not how my mind operates. And so knowing that I could land on the Intel semiconductor chip project for five plus years, mm-hmm. um, that is, uh, you know, something that, you know, I would definitely be after. So being a new member, coming to the union meetings, listening to the business representatives, give their reports, talking about that. The next day I know I would be down there registering for work. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, but, and thankfully for us in Northeast Ohio, our members do have lives. They have families, they have wives, kids and schools they are part of their community. So hopefully our folks won't go down to Columbus. Well, and yeah, exactly. And, and, and everybody, you know, has to do what's right for them and their positions. And so, um, the, the nice thing is the current environment we're in, uh, up here in Northeast Ohio and Cleveland, which would be considered local 18's district one office. There's mm-hmm. a lot of work, uh, that is going to take place. I mean, we've got two Sherwin-Williams projects going on, one in Brexville and then one downtown. Uh, the Cleveland Clinic's going to have a lot of work coming up this year. And uh, we were just notified that the Avon Ford plant is going to put 140, 150 operators to work on that. That's awesome. Um, you know, the list keeps growing for projects that are going to take place. So again, yeah, if you, if you wanted to stick around and not live out of a, a hotel or live out of a suitcase, you can, you can still stay up here and, and do fairly well for yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so in addition, so I don't know, we haven't talked about this, but one of the things you and I do together is, is bargain the local collective bargaining agreement, which for zone one or region one is eight counties. Mm-hmm. It's the counties surrounding Cuyahoga County. Um, and covers the building work in that area. Uh, besides bargaining, which is, you know, you sit down across the table and you say, we'd like this raise, the contractors say that's too much. And, yeah. you know, we go, we, we get to an agreement. It's been good the last few years. Besides that, what else do you do in, in, as a business manager? Man, I tell you what, uh, you know, I've, I've used this term before when I first took it over, uh, drinking from a fire hose is what it felt like, but you know, you're constantly, um, advocating for the membership, uh, for the industry. Um, you are politically involved, you know, for our core issues, as far as local 18s and and CEAs are, are very much the same. You know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're wanting uh, to lobby for money for projects. Um, we're wanting to lobby for companies and, and, you know, uh, people to come to Ohio in Cuyahoga County and all those counties you, you spoke of to build and settle down, you know, and it's more work for our members and for your contractors and my members who employ them. So, um, you know, looking out for the membership, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, whether you're the business manager, um, if you look at all the officer spots down to the guard position or the organizers and all that, we work for the members. Um, you know, we, we do a labor history class. And one of the questions we ask them, who's in charge local 18. And they're always like Michael Bertalone or whoever, <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, that's not, you guys are in charge. You all have a voice. You all have a vote. Um, you know, whenever it comes to the CEA and local 18 sitting down to come to the new agreement, mm-hmm. um, when we walk out of your office, it's not done yet. As you know, we send right. that ballot out to those individuals. They get the vote yes or no on it. Um, and, and we better have come up with something that's, uh, you know, appealing to them, not only wages, you know, but the fringes and all the other terms and conditions. So sure. it's, there's a lot of things. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, working for whatever's right for the members and whatever's going to keep them working. And how has uh, member engagement been over your you've been you, you mentioned earlier we were in a meeting earlier together 
And you mentioned that you got involved with the union early on in your career. But have you have you seen a change in how those members member meetings go over the years? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we always joke and kid around because we have previous meeting minutes uh, that we will read through, and they were a lot more, uh, let's just say, eventful. Um, <laughs> I think part of that is because they used to serve alcohol at those events. I'm glad <laughs> that we don't do that anymore. Uh, but we are seeing more members get involved. You know, when you go to the, uh, through the apprenticeship program, they do assign you to attend X amount of meetings a year. Um, so obviously you're going to, you know, the goal is to get them there and then get them in the habit of coming. That's exactly what happened with me. Um, I, I happened to come in during, uh, you know, a year where there was a, a pretty eventful election going on and there were, you know, some fights and a lot of screaming and hollering. I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. I'm coming to every meeting, you know? <laughs> so they're not all like that, but what um, I did like about it is just being informed and knowing mm-hmm. what's going on. And that's one thing that I do communicate uh, with the staff. I don't really have to do that because they do a good job of their own of reporting about ongoing work, upcoming work, um, you know, for example, like I mentioned, the Avon Power uh, Ford plant is mm-hmm. going to be doing a pretty big turnaround up there. So um, the individuals that were at our meeting this past Monday heard that and heard, hey, get your forklift certifications, get this, get that. And mm-hmm. so the individuals that attend those meetings are on the up and up of what's going on. And that could be the difference maker between you going out to work versus me. Yeah. So um, it's but like I said, we're definitely. Uh, you know, I feel like we're turning a corner of, you know, getting this new generation in and uh, they're, they're starting to pay attention and get more involved. It's great. And what does it take to get a person involved? Where do you find them or do they find you? How do you recruit? Um, as far as like an operator or a staff? Uh, an operator. An operator. So, um, you know, we do a lot of different outreach uh, things at social media, like everybody else is doing, obviously have websites and things of that nature, but we attend job fairs, um, career fairs. Um, we go to area high schools, tech programs. Uh, we get a lot of individuals that reach out to us uh, wanting us to just present to, you know, groups of boys and girls or men and women, whoever it is. Um, we work with the military, um, I um, I sit on the governor's workforce development board. And okay. so, you know, sitting on there helps me network with different groups um, from across the state that are trying to get people in. So, you know, and basically what that means is, is like, we, we can only get you so far. Like right. I, I can let you know about my program or our program. Uh, the next step is letting them know how to apply. And then the rest is on them. You know, I right. can only take it so far. Um, there is no, you know, open door. Everybody gets in. Uh, the policy. Um, I, I had shared this with you, like you said at the meeting earlier. We get over two thousand people almost every year that apply to get into our program. Mm-hmm. And those are statewide numbers. We don't take two thousand people. I could take all two thousand, but what's the point of doing that when I don't have that much work? Uh, you know, to to put that many people to work. So, sure. You know, we we take in uh, the amount of people we take in statewide is, uh, you know, related to the work that we have coming up that year. And so we're, we're, we're taking probably like, you know, 150, 200 people. Mm-hmm. We'll take more this year because of the big projects down in uh, the Columbus and uh, Dayton area. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, a lot of different things that go into the recruitment. Sure. And then the, once a person does get in for those 200 people that will get in, 
What's that? What's that matriculation look like? So it's a four year program. Um, there's a lot of different things that you need to achieve to bump up levels. Um, June 1st is when everybody goes up from, you know, bumps up levels. So your first year apprentice, um, you have to have on the job training hours. You have to have X amount of classroom time. You, and as a first year apprentice, you have to get your CDL, at least a class B with your air brakes. Okay. Um, and then you have to pass a machine test. Uh, whatever machine you choose to go after is fine. We don't say, Hey, you have to go after this, that, or the other. Um, you know, we, a lot of times we'll steer them in the direction of, Hey, you are working for, you know, independence excavated and you are operating, you know, a dozer. It's probably a good idea to go after your dozer test. And so, um, you know, each year, if you have those, you go to the next level of, let's say from first to second, and then you get a 10% increase in your pay. So that's the incentive there as yeah. well. Um, and like I said, it's a four-year program. Um, if As long as you do that each year and get those prerequisites behind you, you will graduate the program, become a journeyman or journeywoman operator. And how do you get those on-the-job hours? So you register for work like any other operator would at the, let's say, in the Cleveland Union Hall. You come down there, and the way we have it set up now is a little archaic, and we're getting to the point where we're going to be able to do it online, but you fill out a card, obviously with your contact information and below there, uh, the next section would be counties and mm-hmm. you can indicate which counties you do not want to work in. So like if you live in Cuyahoga and you're like, I am not going to Ashtabula, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, Sandusky or whatever it is. You can indicate that on that card, um, that restricting your card though, you could miss out on a job at the Perry nuclear power plant or, right. you know, Cedar point or whatever. So, um, the next step below that is then you indicate which pieces of equipment you can operate on there. And so when the contractors call in and say, Hey, I need, uh, I need a, a bulldozer operator uh, at the Perry nuclear power plant. We have dispatchers that go through and whoever's first on the list that is, you know, able to go to that County, run that piece of equipment can go out to work. Great. Yeah. Yep. So, the, the, you, so then you, they get placed on, jobs for working for contractors they get their hours in doing whatever they're qualified to do correct um uh, who, who is tracking their progress on training so it's their responsibility also to do an on-the-job training card uh, and submit those to the training program so then they can uh, keep track of that as well so our apprenticeship program you know keeps up on that i mean we have individuals if it was a slow year a lot of them spend a lot of time when they're not working at the training center upgrading their skills which is all good but we have run into it where it's a slow year and they had everything minus the on the job training hours. And that was literally the only thing holding them back. And so, Mm. you know, we're not going to essentially penalize somebody for that, but they do need to, especially, you know, I mean, if it's self-inflicted, that's another conversation. Sure. But if it's due to the fact that the work just isn't there, um, you know, then, then we're going to look at it a little bit differently or whatever. So then how much is this whole training program cost a person? Zero. Absolutely zero. Um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, a lot of people will, will call it the, you know, the other four year program or the other, you know, it's, it does not cost an individual anything. In fact, you get paid to go to the school. Um, initially when you get accepted, you're there for three straight weeks for like an orientation is what we call it. Pre-apprenticeship orientation. Mm -hmm. And you get a stipend basically to pay for your fuel because you're there for eight hours a day. It's not like you're going to have time to go work a part-time job. So, um, you know, you're able to pay for your gas, which, you know, still in this day and age, 
uh, it's, it's still difficult or whatever. So there's a financial commitment initially sure. as well before you start, you know, earning that money. Um, and you get released after that three weeks to start going out and earning a paycheck. Okay. And that was some, for somebody that's totally anonymous, like if you didn't have a connection when you got in, uh, you don't necessarily, you wouldn't know yourself how to go get a job. How does that work? So, I mean, basically, like I said, when you're done at that pre-apprenticeship orientation, you fill that card out and you just wait, you're waiting for a phone call. Okay. Um, you're not out soliciting your own work. You know, you believe me, you drive around and you start to see it and you're like, man, I hope I go here. I hope I go there. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to run this. I'd like to run that. You know, you just take the opportunity that's given to you as an apprentice. You don't have the ability to, um, you know, solicit your own work, let alone pick and choose what you want to do. When you get a phone call that says you're going to work for, you know, XYZ contractor, you're taking that job. Mm -hmm. You don't have the ability to say no. It's, it's part of the apprenticeship. It's part of the, you know, what you agreed to Mm -hmm. when you come into the program that you're going to go work for them. Um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, apprentices do say, I can't wait till I graduate cause I will never work for that contractor again. <laughs> but, um, you know, everybody gets their start somewhere and every job, you know, that they turn down is hours that they, they miss out on. Cause if, if they had the ability to turn it down, who's to say that they're going to get another phone call in, in a reasonable amount of time. So, right. Yeah. It's, uh, Definitely something we don't let them, you know, pick and choose until they graduate. Um, how do they become exposed to different types of equipment as they're going through the apprenticeship? There's two ways, obviously, at the school. Mm-hmm. You can be there and, and nobody knows what another individual's interests are unless they make it known. So we always tell them, hey, if you're interested in something, let us know. Um, if if the time presents itself, we'll we'll start showing you around it or, you know, we roll out every year our list of classes. Okay. So if you're interested in a dozer class with GPS, you know, grading, uh, you know, parts on it, you can sign up for the GPS class pavers, you know, any, any class that we roll out, you have the ability to sign up for them. Um, the other thing that we tell operators, apprentices, especially, um, but it also goes for journeymen and women. You know, if you spent a majority of your career running at a, uh, let's say a loader, mm-hmm. you're kind of boxing yourself in. And so if the opportunity to get out of your comfort zone, you're, you're real good at running that loader or you're really good at running that dose or whatever. Um, it'd probably be a good idea to have several pieces of equipment, um, you know, that you're able to run efficiently because you're more employable at that point. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. Diversifying your skill set. Absolutely. Uh, and I would imagine, you know, I've been to your training site in Richfield. Um, it's very impressive. How many acres are you on? You know, that one's the smallest out of all four of them. We're, we're landlocked over there. I want to say it's under 100. I don't know to be exact, but uh, believe me, we would love to expand. However, there's uh, to the left of it a residential area, and to the right of it there's another group, an organization that owns. And believe me, we've asked, and they're not yeah. coming off the land. So You but, have a couple cranes. You have uh, all kinds of equipment. So I imagine a young person or a new person there just seeing things around, I would, I'd like to try to get skilled on that or this yeah. piece of equipment. Absolutely. You know, when you, um, Richfield training center is the closest one to us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the only location that we do have a tower crane, uh, set up. It's an older tower crane, but it's still a tower crane. Yeah. Um, when you pull into the gates of that place, that's the first thing that you see is, you know, not only the tower, but all the other crane booms. And it's, again, it kind of sits down 
in a little bit of a valley. So you just pull up on it and all of a sudden it opens up into construction world. Yeah. Uh, and again, me growing up in this area had no idea that that even existed at all. Yeah. I think most people are in that boat yeah. even today. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, like I said, we've got four training centers, uh, Richfield, Richfield is our busiest. And I say that because, um, they service the Cleveland and Akron area. Okay. Whereas, um, you know, my Toledo office is serviced by the Signet Training Center. The Columbus office is serviced by the Logan Training Center, which is down by the Hawking Hills area. Okay. And then Miamisburg services the Dayton, Cincinnati area. But, um, you know, so essentially all other areas have their own training center. Uh, Cleveland and Akron share, share Richfield, which, again, is the location with the smallest amount of acreage in it. So yeah. It gets challenging, but... That's not always necessarily a bad thing because then you get to have, you know, the idea of what it's like to work around a lot of people, you know, and, sure. and transfer that out to the job sites. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So as you look ahead for the next year or two years, what are your big priorities? Just keep doing what, whatever we're doing now. Keep doing it because mm-hmm. there's a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of opportunities out there for our operators. Um, there's There's a lot of... You know, when the when the the public work is at an all time high, the private work thrives, and that's the environment I feel like we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a great ODOT budget ahead of us for the remainder of this year, and then as they're having budget talks at the state house, like they are now, uh, we're hearing some good things. Obviously, with the federal infrastructure money, right, in coordination with the state money, it looks like the next couple of years after that should be good for roads and bridges. And again, then that. Uh, helps out on the private stuff. And obviously uh, the Intel project was a huge announcement for the state of Ohio. And we look to have a ripple effect come from that of other people coming into the state and just build upon that project. Absolutely. Yeah. So great. Anything else to add? No, I just, like I said, I appreciate you having me on here. Uh, my first podcast I've ever done. Uh, awesome. And so I, you know, <laughs> cruising through it, I wanted to uh, add my name, uh, you know, to the list of all the uh, people that you've done so far and uh, look forward to future podcasts. And so not only with myself, like we talked about, you know, maybe some future business managers and things like that. Yeah. So, awesome. If somebody wants to get a hold of the uh, Operating Engineers Local 18, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you could give a call starting at our headquarters uh, office, uh, 216-432-3138. Um, and then you start there. And it doesn't matter what your question is. They'll get you to the right place, whether it has to do with uh, training, signing up at the hall, uh, benefits, whatever it is. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks again, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. Appreciate have, it. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.